Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Shades Midweek, where we have conversations about theology, culture, and all things Shades. I am Brad Brown, joined in the studio today with John Mark and Jonathan Hafes. How are you guys doing today? Fantastic. Doing pretty well, all things considered. Yeah, how is everyone doing with sheltering in place? I've done more yard work than I ever thought I'd ever do (laughs) in my life. It's true. Yeah, a lot of people are doing house projects right now. Listen, everybody is either staying at home or they are staying at the Home Depot. Like, (laughs) it's true. That place is packed. It's packed. There's not much social distancing going on at the Home Depot. I was in there yesterday. And they did have, I did an online pickup, and they did have X's on the floor where people could stand six feet apart from one another. And like a table where you would be six feet from the uh, person working behind the desk. I mean, it was very, it was intense. I I actually go to Lowe's, true confession here. I'm I'm a Lowe's man. Well, um, we just have a Home Depot close to us, so that's why. Yeah, so that's that's probably you're not, why. You're not diehard Home Depot is what you're saying. I could go either way. Well, that's probably why I'm a Lowe's person is because when I first started going to home improvement stores, Lowe's was actually, I think the Lowe's and the Home Depot were next to each other, so I don't have a good excuse for why I do one over the other. <laughs> the orange makes me feel good. There it is. I think that's why I like it, the mm. orange logo. But, yeah. but they had the same thing going on at Lowe's, and they actually had, uh, they'd put up like a plastic barrier yeah uh in front of the cashier so you like slid your form of payment underneath it but so to, to block any i guess coughing or sneezing yeah or they've done that, that at some grocery stores too i've noticed yeah wow so it's getting it's getting pretty intense um yeah well but, now that no one's listening anymore <laughs> i thought now that no one cares about the home depot trips <laughs> i thought we could get to the content of the podcast by Talking about uh, some things that we have available uh, this week for people at Shades Valley. So, Jonathan, do you want to start? Yeah. uh, I mean, we're just having to kind of think through creative ways to approach um, ministry and connecting with one another and being a community because we all are obviously sheltering in place to a certain extent, at least, hopefully. Um, I mean, the three of us are kind of sheltering in place right now with each other in this booth, I guess. For a part. But um, Holy Week is approaching, and so we have a couple of traditions at Shades that go along with Holy Week, and so we were trying to think, how how can we involve people in those? And so basically what we're doing is we're putting together a small packet of supplies for you to be able to participate in uh, more fully in Palm Sunday, Good Friday, and Easter. And you can come by Shades, drive through our overhang entrance, uh, tomorrow, which is Wednesday, April the 1st, or you can come by on Thursday, April the 2nd, on both of those days between the hours of 4 and 6 p.m. And if you drive through, Brad and I will be there gloved and masked to hand you one of these packets, uh, which will basically just have, it'll have instructions in it, but it'll also have the materials you need in order to participate more fully in Holy Week. So, yeah, that's available, and... Um, It'll be, it, even if we only get to see you for a second, it'll be fun just to see a couple of people as they, they drive through and pick up their supplies. Yeah, totally. But that's not the only thing going on, John Mark. 
Yeah, uh, this Thursday, which is going to be April 2nd, we're doing a Living Room Worship Night on Instagram Live. So if you follow Shades Valley Community Church on Instagram, uh, myself and my wife Ashley will be leading worship from the living room of our house. It'll be real chill. Um, It'll be at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. Um, so make sure to follow the Shades Valley Instagram though. We're not going to be streaming it from our personal profiles. It'll be there and we're going to just, uh, sing some songs together. I'd encourage all of you, uh, if you're, if you have kids and they'll still be awake at that time, just gather together. Maybe you want to stream it to the TV or whatever you have and, uh, just sit around and let's sing songs together and worship our creator. I think it feels it's a really important thing to do right now. Um, so yeah, it's going to be awesome. So please join us Thursday. Yeah. I know my family's really excited about that, uh, especially my kids. Cause you know, I mean, like I, I still get to come out a little bit into the office or when I, we have to make a grocery run. Holly is making a few of those grocery runs, but my, my children have literally not left the house. And so, <laughs> so and they're and, doing great. Right, right, right. <laughs> and so and they're all still alive. So that counts as great. Um, so anytime something like this happens, I mean, they get really excited about it and, and we're excited too. And one, one of the things I would encourage everybody to do that I think would really enhance it. Uh, JM mentioned potentially putting it on your TV if you have the ability to do that, but connecting your phone to uh, a Bluetooth speaker or to some headphones if you're by yourself or, or whatever, like like uh, connecting it to some form of uh, amplification where you can make it a little bit louder, a little bit fuller, I think will will also make that a a cool experience. So, but yeah. Looking forward to that. And we're, we're talking about potentially doing that more. Yeah, definitely stay tuned. Um, it's going to be something, I mean, what else are we doing at home? Yeah. So <laughs> it's going to be something we definitely do more often, I think. So uh, if you follow us on Facebook or if you get our weekly emails, um, you'll see updates through all those mediums. We'll let you know when we do more of these worship nights. Um, if you want to sign up for the email, email office at shadesvalley.org. Yeah. And we have a couple of other irons in the fire that we're uh good expression. Yeah, 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 that we're working on. Um and so, so some things specifically that'll be coming up uh that we're working on for kids because uh, we know parents you, you got your kids at home and <laughs> looking for things to do with them and so we're working on a few things for that and just some other ideas so hopefully those will be headed your way pretty soon. But today on the podcast, what are we doing, Brad? So Today on the podcast, we're going to be talking about deconversions. Things and just got really heavy. Things <laughs> did get heavy. Yes. Deconversions and Christians walking away from the faith. This is something that Jonathan talked about in his sermon from two weeks ago. And so we wanted to take some time here and talk a little bit more about it. So I thought we could start the conversation by just giving a definition. What do we mean when we say deconversion or use the term deconversion? What do we mean by that? Yeah. Well, I mean, first, I think that we wanted to have this conversation because this is something that, you know, the three of us have talked about a lot over the past year, specifically because there have been a couple of big name celebrity Christians, pastors, worship leaders who yeah. have used this term that they've deconverted, yeah, you know, or, or whatever that they've they've left the faith and very publicly, yeah, very publicly. Uh, you know, I, I I think of 
people like uh, the pastor Joshua Harris or the worship leader with Hillsong Marty Sampson or, you know, and, and because of that, and we we wanted to have some space where we could slow down and spend a little bit more time than just like the few minutes I got in the sermon the other week to mention it. Uh, yeah. wanted a place where we could slow down and kind of talk through this and process it uh, uh, a little bit a little bit more because we can ask questions about this. So so yeah, so I mean, I think that's a great place for us to start right? what What do we even mean by the term deconversion? And I think we mean at least two things. Uh, one, is the simplest. Uh, it's it's a term used for those who have left the faith. In other words, they have completely abandoned Christianity altogether. They used to call themselves a Christian. They no longer call themselves a Christian. They've left. They have deconverted, quote unquote. However, I do think that there is a second category that this term often gets applied to, and those are people who have not necessarily left the faith, but they have radically altered their faith or their understanding of it. In other words, they haven't, they don't claim to have left Christianity, but they have definitely left orthodoxy. Mm -hmm. Orthodoxy just means right belief. So there is a core of what Christians have believed all throughout our 2000 year history as the church and going back even further than that as the people of God in general. Um, But, but there's a, a core of Christian orthodoxy and they abandon that. So they abandon things like, uh, the deity of Christ or the exclusivity of Christ, that he's the only way uh, to be reconciled to God and experience salvation, or they abandon the authority of Scripture or the the substitutionary death of Christ. These things that are central yeah. to our faith, they now deny, and what they're left with is basically Christ is some kind of moral teacher, some kind of moralism. Uh, and, and, and the reason that these things will still get called a deconversion is one, I mean, honestly, you're not left with anything that I think an Orthodox Christian could call Christianity anymore. Mm. Like you've, you've left this thing altogether, even if you want to still claim the label. Yeah. But two, it's kind of like unrolling a ball of yarn. Like you start pulling at the thread and yeah, the ball gets smaller and smaller, but eventually you're not going to have a ball anymore. You're going to unwind the whole thing. And that's kind of what happens with this process. Like, yeah, today you let go of the deity of Christ. Tomorrow you let go of his resurrection. And the next day you let go. Like, just eventually you're going to unwind the entire ball of yarn and have nothing left. So so when we talk about deconversions, these are the the two kind of categories we're operating with. And one thought that I had as you were talking is just, I think it's good to acknowledge that these deconversion stories that we see are really powerful. Uh, there was one blog that I was reading from a scholar that are, that I follow, and he was talking about these steps that you see in these deconversion narratives. And he, he was saying the first step is to recount the negatives of your fundamentalist past. And then the second step is to position yourself as the offended party who bravely fought the establishment. And then third, he said, uh, they portray or you portray your opponents as overly dogmatic while you're just a seeker. And then fourth, you insist your new theology is driven by the Bible in some cases and not a rejection rejection of it. it's this true reading of scripture. And then five, uh, attack the character of your old group and uplift the character of 
your new group. And that these deconversion... Uh, that, that's like the outline of all of them. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. In like a really broad way. Uh, that these are powerful stories and that often they're told uh, to Christians to kind of show and persuade why uh, these these people leaving the faith, why it's a reasonable decision, why it's a rational decision, why even uh, Christians that they're talking to should consider uh, their own positions in right. light of what's happening. So there's this kind of like evangelistic <laughs> um, tone to it. And I think just being aware of that and, and being aware of the power of testimony, even in uh, what we would call deconversion, uh, yeah, can be can be uh, really influential. Right. Well, and I think that's why these stories cause people to ask so many questions is because they are told uh, with this evangelistic bent. Yeah. Like, it's not just that I've gone through this process, but perhaps you should go through this process, too. Yes. You know, and and I think that that's what troubles so many people um, and causes them to to wrestle with this and to ask a lot of questions. Yeah. So, Jonathan, when you see these deconversion stories or you uh, maybe it's even more personal, it's it's someone that, you know, how do you tend to process it um what's kind of your initial response and then maybe some things you think through yeah yeah i mean i think the 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 way this the way i process through this is probably through three different lenses i mean they're all interrelated and connected but but they could be divided out into uh, personally pastorally and theologically is the way I'm going to kind of think through this. So so first, personally, like when I hear these stories, I mean, honestly, I just feel sad. Mm-hmm. I, 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 and I can get, I mean, borderline depressed over some of the, you have accused me, Brad has accused me on occasion of being what he calls a super feeler. Google it. Um, I, I don't. Or believe, duck, duck, go it. I don't believe this is a real, a real thing. What, duck, 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 go it's it. the search engine that I used. In protest to Google, but that's a conversation for another day. I'm learning new things all the time. But anyway, he accuses me of being a super feeler. So, so I and I do. I I I feel deeply. I just feel sad and burdened. Uh, but at some point, it transitions into like I get mad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just being honest, like I get angry. Um, and I think that that's my protective nature, kind of coming out as a pastor because. I, I this does cause questions for people that I know and love and causes them to wrestle with their faith or have doubts in their own faith. And, and I go into protective mode. Yeah, for sure. I can totally resonate with that. I think about when Marty Sampson last summer uh, kind of deconverted on Instagram. Uh, initially, I just felt super bummed because I can remember being a middle schooler and watching Marty Sampson lead worship uh, at Hillsong through through the videos that I was watching. Uh, But as I continued to read his post, he just said that one of the reasons he's walking away from the faith is that there are all these questions that Christians aren't asking. And when I read that, I was just like, oh, man, seriously? Um, Right, because they're they're the stereotypical questions of, like, how can there be an all-powerful, all-good God and evil exist? Right, and there are so many books on that question that I 
ten, it's been ten lifetimes yeah, ten, ten, reading just that subject. Ten, you know, it's not like Christians haven't <laughs> thought about this. Yeah, ten, ten books came out last year on that subject. Yeah, you know, and I, so I think when I see that post, I'm like, oh no, somebody reading this is going to think that he's right, right, and that Christians aren't talking about this maybe because of their p- particular experience. So I totally right. resonate with that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think you know that. We we kind of I react we react the same way all people do I think you know we're sad we're burdened but but then I think I do shift from kind of that personal lens to the pastoral lens uh, because I have people coming and asking questions and essentially what's at the root no matter what their questions are on the surface what's at the root of most of their questions is could this happen to me yeah like here's this person that I have looked up to and that this is one of the issues with celebrity Christian culture. And maybe we can talk about that next episode or something. Yeah, for sure. But I, I cause that's another thing in sermons recently. I've uh, not spoken quite too favorably yeah. of. as a Christian celebrity. I was very offended. Well, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Go on. Yeah, though. Right. Right. Um, so, uh, but, but they're, they're asking, you know, here's this person that I've looked up to that I perceived as having a much closer relationship with the Lord than totally. I do, of yeah. being a more mature Christian. And if this could happen to them, can this happen to me? So yeah. when, when people come to me with questions, there are a couple of things I want to help them know. First, I want to help them know this is not new. Like this is this has happened before. It's it's been happening since the very first generation of the church. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, you know. Two weeks ago in the sermon, we talked about Paul's friend Demas, you know, and in Second Timothy four, Paul talks about how Demas in love with this present world has deserted me. Yeah. Uh, Jesus spoke of the fact that this would be a reality in uh, Matthew 13, I believe it is, where he tells the parable of the sower and the seed. And he, the seed is the gospel word going out and it falls on four different kinds of soil, and three out of the four soils look like they receive the gospel word. Mm. But in reality, there's only one that one soil that truly has received that word and goes on to bear fruit. Two out of the, the three that look like they'd received it end up letting go, or the plant dies, or, or they walk away from the faith they look like they had embraced. And so, I mean, yeah. Jesus, Paul, like, the church throughout every generation has known and seen this phenomenon. So I, so I want people to know this isn't a new thing. Don't be surprised by this. And the Bible itself is aware of this. Yeah, that's so good. You know, but then the second thing I want them to know is, look, your faith, I, I want to say to the person who's asking the questions, your faith is in a person, but it's not in that person. Mm-hmm. It's not in that celebrity. Or whatever. Your your faith is in the person of Jesus Christ, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And and look to Him. Set your eyes on Him. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's the second thing I want people to know. And then the third thing that I I want to talk to people about is uh, the nature of that person's faith, the the celebrity that walked away. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about the nature of their faith, and I want to talk to this person asking the questions about the nature of of their personal faith. So first, I want to talk to them about that celebrity's faith, the nature of their faith. And from all appearances, what I want to say is that from all appearances, it looks like their faith was false. You know, this is uh, 1 John, where John 
talks about people who've gone out uh, from amongst the church community uh, because they were not of us. If they had been of us, they would have stayed and they would have continued with us. But they went out from us so that it might be complained to all that they are not of us. And and that's what it appears is going on here as, as well. So from all appearances, it looks like that person's faith was false. And then I want to say to the person talking to me, make sure that yours is not. In other words, I don't just want to jump straight to saying, you know, and take comfort, your faith is not false. I, I, I want to do what the Bible does, which is actually to encourage us to make sure that our faith is not false. Second uh, Peter 1, verse 10, Peter says, Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. He, P- Peter looks at his brothers and sisters in Christ and says, confirm your calling and your election. Calling and election, these are things that God does. This is a description of God's saving purposes and saving process that he executes by his power. But Peter says you, you can actually confirm and find assurance in the fact that this has happened for you, that you have real and authentic faith. In order to see how they're supposed to confirm their election and calling, you have to actually back up and read the passage, uh, the, the context, or the, the broader passage. So Second Peter 1, I'm just going to start in verse 3. It says that God's divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For... If these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers and sisters, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. And so what we now see that Peter is talking about is basically the fruits of the Spirit. He's talking about, look for the evidence in your life, not of your works, as if you're saved by your works, but look for the evidence that you have authentic faith, that the Holy Spirit is active and working in your life, that he, the the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, that these things are happening and increasing in your life by the power of the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 13.5 says something very similar. It says, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves, or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you failed to meet the test. So again, Paul there in 2 Corinthians is saying, Examine yourself. See if you're in the faith. What does it mean to be in the faith? Well, it means that Christ is in you. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not telling you to take out a, a measuring stick and see if you measure up. 
you know, by your works, I'm, I'm telling you to see, is Christ active empowering you, actively empowering you? Is, is, is evidence of Christ and his powerful spirit at work in your life? There, there's one more text I want to mention, and, and that's because I think this is the one that, that kind of helps make this the clearest. When I'm telling somebody, make sure your faith is not false, this is the text that I'm going to take them to. I'm going to take them to Romans 8. Always go to Romans 8, right? It's always a good decision. <laughs> I'm going to take them to Romans 8, verses 12 to 17. Um, the, the mark that you are a true believer in Jesus, that, that your faith is real, is that the Holy Spirit dwells in you. He is the down payment of our faith, the guarantee that we belong to Jesus. Uh, we're looking for the fruits of the Spirit in our life, His activity. And I think that this text makes it very clear that that's what confirms our faith, and I think it makes it very clear what that looks like. So let me just read this real quick. Romans 8, 12 to 17. So then, brothers and sisters, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For if you did not receive the, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs. The Holy Spirit is the one who bears witness to your spirit that you are indeed a child of God, that you have true and authentic faith. The question is, how does he do that? Mm-hmm. How does the spirit bear witness to your spirit? Is it by, does he whisper in your ear, hey, hey, Brad, yeah. I hope, hey, you are a child of God. I hope not. I might call the police. Uh, um, <laughs> you know, I, I mean, that's not how he's done it in my life, and I don't think that's how he does it in the text. What does he do in the text? Uh, there are two things outlined here for us. The first one, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. In other words, the Holy Spirit doesn't let you make peace with sin. He leads you into war against sin. Mm. This is how the Spirit testifies to your spirit that you are a child of God. You are not content. This is the same thing that Peter said uh, in the text that we read out of First Peter. Like you, you don't settle into your former sinful lifestyle and just go, you know, I'm going to make peace with this. I'm okay with it. No, the spirit living in you won't let you do that. This is how he testifies to your spirit that you are a child of God. He leads you into war with sin and into mm-hmm. a pursuit of holiness. And the second thing right here that we're told is that by the spirit, we, we received adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. In other words, the second way that the Spirit bears witness to our spirit is through the way that we now relate to God. I I have a longing, a desire for my Father. I cry to Him. I come to Him. I embrace Him. I love Him. That's the work of the Spirit in my life. It's by the Spirit that I've been adopted, that I've become a son, that I have this impetus, this desire to cry, this guttural need to cry, Abba, Father, I need you. And I think that these are two of the primary ways that the Spirit bears witness to us that we are children of God. So, so I want to look at somebody pastorally who's struggling with this and going, could this happen to me? Mm-hmm. And I, I want to say, 
does the spirit bear witness with your spirit that you are a child of God? Does, does he lead you into war with sin because you want to pursue holiness? Does he lead you to cry out to your father? You want your father. If so, you're a child and an heir. Your faith is real. You have much assurance and confidence. And that's ultimately where I want to lead people. I want to give people assurance. Mm, yeah. So, so go ahead. No, I was going to say, so even that kind of initial question of do I love Jesus can reveal a heart that's soft and receptive to uh, to acknowledging one's own sin, to acknowledging one's own failure, and a heart that desires to know God and to love God and to walk in obedience with him. So even that question revealing that the Spirit's at work and doing something, drawing us closer to God. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So so that's kind of the, there's the personal lens that I process this through. There's the pastoral lens. Uh, and, and even that desire to give somebody assurance leads me to kind of the last lens that I want to talk about this issue through. And that's the theological one. Mm. Um, and, and, and that's one of the things that people are wrestling with when they see these quote unquote deconversion stories is they're wrestling with, well, can a true believer lose their salvation? Is that what has happened here? And I've already tipped my hand by saying, from all evidence, that person's faith looks false. Um, Because I believe that Scripture teaches, this is the theological lens I want to see it through, I believe Scripture teaches that every true believer will be sustained to the end by God's power. Mm. That's good news. If you are a true believer in Jesus, then your salvation doesn't depend partly on God, his work on the cross, and partly on you hanging on to his work on the cross. It depends fully on God. And he, by his power, will sustain every true believer to the end. 1 Peter 3 and verse 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded, kept through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Peter tells us right there, God's the one who brought you into a relationship with Christ. He caused you to be born again, and he is the one who will keep you. By God's power, you are being guarded. You are being kept. Mm-hmm. Um, in Philippians, I think Philippians 1.6 tells us the same thing. I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. He began the good work. He'll bring it to completion. And then, I mean, I think one of the the most beloved benediction in the Bible speaks to this as well. The very end of Jude. Now to him, that is to God, who is able to keep you from stumbling. Mm. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forever. So I, I want to say theologically, Scripture teaches that every true believer will be sustained to the end by God's power. None of that eliminates our need to persevere, yeah, to, to need to strive and to cling to Christ. None of that eliminates that need, but all of it empowers it. 
I am empowered to cling to Christ because I realize I'm not clinging by my power. Mm. I'm clinging by the power that God provides. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things. That's not where that sentence ends. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Mm. So we talk about this all the time. God's sovereign. We are responsible. We are responsible to persevere. But God is sovereignly preserving us by his power. And that's the theological foundation I want to place underneath this whole issue. Yeah, that's so good. And maybe one more question that you can answer really briefly is, what would you say to those Christians that when they come across these deconversion stories, they say, oh my gosh, I'm asking these same questions. And I have these same doubts. And the things that this person is saying are really resonating with me. Uh, What would you say to them as they wrestle through that? Sure. The first thing I would not want to do is I would not want to shut down their questions and be like, well, don't ask those questions. That I mean, that one, that reinforces... The the, caricature. Yeah, the caricature. Of the deconversion story. Right, because a lot of these people talk about that they grew up in an atmosphere where they weren't allowed to ask questions or they were discouraged from that. And that's not... I'm not saying those environments don't exist, but that's not the environment that I grew up in. And that's not the environment we want to create at Shades either. God's big enough for your questions. And Christians have been asking these questions, like we've said, for 2,000 years. And so I I want to say your questions are okay. Ask them. But let's not just sit in the asking. That that can often be a, uh, a, a put-on from some of these kind of deconversion narratives that, well, let's just sit in the asking and the unknown and, and be okay with not having answers because that's that's humble and answers are arrogant. And I'm like, no, nah, I want to flip that on its head because mm-hmm. if there actually are answers to some of these questions, then trying to quote-unquote humbly sit in the unknown is actually an embrace of your own arrogance. It's to say, no, I don't want to submit to the answers that God has given I want to have the freedom out here to make up my own answers. Like that's actually arrogant. Whereas pursuing the answer that God has given and submitting yourself to it is actually a humble, you have to humble yourself to do that. Yeah. So, so I want to invite the question, but then I want to say, well, let's pursue. Has God answered this? And, And no, we don't have answers to every last detail of every question we might have, but he has provided us with more than ample answers to give us a firm foundation for our faith. Mm -hmm. So I want to, I want to encourage the questions, but I want to point them towards biblical answers. I want to point them towards great resources. Like we said, so many books have been written right. uh, on every reading level. Yeah, you know, yeah. Whether you're a high school, middle school student, or whether you're a PhD. Like, mm. there, there's, there's so many great resources throughout all of church history available to you. So I want to point them to good resources, and I want to walk alongside them. And they're, they're wrestling, I want to pray with them, I want to weep with them, and I want to encourage them to set their eyes on Christ, set their eyes on his narrative, yeah, and see if his narrative doesn't ring more true with reality than mm-hmm. any deconversion narrative they've ever heard. Yeah, that's so good. Well, I think that that probably uh, can bring that conversation to a conclusion, at least as much as we can. I, th- I think for today. Um, and uh, we we did have one more thing we wanted to do on this episode. During this time of quarantine amidst the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, we know that a lot of, or, or all of the news feels incredibly 
heavy and uh, and we just had a heavy a heavier conversation on the podcast. So we do as much as we are not entertainers, <laughs> we do want to try to provide a bright spot in in your week. And we we've done that through a couple of goofy things, and we have another goofy thing we're gonna we're gonna do today. So uh, yeah, John Mark, you want to lead us in this next segment? Yep. This, is, right. this is John Mark's idea. Well, yeah, I texted I texted these guys and I said, "Hey, it'd be cool if we did uh, some desert island picks." I believe is uh, what you call it typically. It's it's could, could be called quarantine. Could picks be called at this quarantine point. picks. <laughs> some might call. So let's say you found yourself in a situation where you were quarantined. To your what own. if? if it's just only. a big what if? I mean, it's crazy. I know, but. And uh, so we decided we would uh, pick some categories here. So I'm going to throw some categories out to all of you, and uh, we're going to make our selection. So basically the rules are for each category, you get three uh, selections, and you can briefly explain why you chose that selection. And then uh, and also for these, like we're going to do albums, movies, and books. Uh, don't feel the pressure to... You know, for books, you don't have to say the Bible. Okay. Yeah, yeah I think we, wait, made, we, we wait. Yeah, we did. We, we made yeah, it a rule. Made a rule that you're it's, not allowed to choose. <laughs> no Bible. Like, it, right. well, not just that. You're you're not allowed to choose explicitly Christian things. Like, we're not allowed to choose we, theology yeah. books. It's just giving us an you out. Know, that way, we don't have to feel the pressure. We're, we're not allowed to choose worship albums. <laughs> you know. And we are evangelical pastors here, so we could just go ahead and throw C.S. Lewis off the table and right. Lord of the Rings off the table. Wait, right. wait, whoa, 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 <laughs> whoa, mean, whoa. Hold up, because Lord of the Rings was my answer for all three of my movies, oh, yeah, all three of, of my books, see, Jonathan, and, and, the and the soundtracks to all three of those movies were my albums. See, what am I supposed to do now? We already knew that. And I thought we were doing TV shows, too, so I was going to oh, say- yeah, TV shows. I was going to say the upcoming Amazon uh, version of Lord of the Rings was going to be my TV show. <laughs> oh, wow. Yep. I'm just kidding. Okay. Well, now this will get interesting since I threw that loop in there. You never know what's going to happen on Shades Midweek podcast. Well, there, there are a few it places. It is just I might... wild. Okay. We are out of control. <laughs> Who wants to go first? What are your How three? How about Jonathan? All right, we your can... three <laughs> desert island quarantine books. We can go in order of age, oldest <laughs> to youngest. So, so I'll start. Okay, that's good. Um, so I I did something. I don't know if this is breaking the rules at all. But I did oh, something. Here we a little, go right off the bat. I did. I did something a little Gosh. different with my movies, albums, and books because I had so much trouble. And so what I decided to do was take one of each from three different periods of my life. Wow. So I have kind of like a childhood, oh, man. a high school, and like a young adult Jonathan pick for each of these, so I can kind of relive those segments of my life. Can't wait to see how you've developed. So my childhood book and brad it counts and i refuse to redo it is the hobbit all right i don't reread we'll accept it i don't reread books and especially fiction i don't reread fiction but other than the bible um <laughs> i have reread the hobbit more than any other book so okay uh my high, high school jonathan is taking a book called three by ted decker it's a uh, he he is a Christian author, but he writes fiction, yeah. and it's 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 like a thriller, uh, like a psychological like espionage. Or? No, 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 okay. uh, kind of like hmm. a psychological serial killer thriller kind of oh, thing. Oh wow! Okay. He, uh, yeah. Ted Decker is an interesting author. You should look him up. Anyway, and then young adult Jonathan is taking uh, one of the world's great fantasy classics. I know that's a surprise, uh, but the Once and Future King 
by T.H. White. It is the classic retelling of the King Arthur tales. Like basically any movie or cartoon that you've ever seen about King Arthur, it's mostly based on T.H. White's version of everything. It's a much wow. more mo- it's a it's a much more modern kind of um, telling of them. Hmm. So those are my books. Those are my books, boys. All right, well done, John Mark. Yeah, that's great. They're all fiction. Okay, so my three books, um, and the way that I did all of my choices for everything is basically. Uh, here we it's, go. It's tough to just do three of anything. So here these we are, go. These are three today. Tomorrow, these three may change, but <laughs> okay. today, right now, in right the moment, now in the moment, these this, are the three at this moment. Yeah. Okay. So uh, my first book was uh, Bob Dylan Chronicles, which is uh, an autobiography. It's Bob Dylan just sharing stories from his career in life. And it came out uh, in the mid, I believe in the mid 2000s, but it is a fun read. It's fantastic. I'm just shocked that you picked a book by a musical artist. (laughs) (laughs) He has so many words. Uh, Okay. no Country for Old Men by Cormac McCarthy. You know, I haven't ever read that book. It's fantastic. Yeah. You know, it doesn't have to be a book you've read. The That's what? true. <laughs> That's true. It could be, I mean, you're you're by yourself. A so book you've always wanted to read? It could be like, man, I want to really re- read War and Peace right now. What if you, you know? took yeah. a book you'd always wanted to read and then you hated it? And, and that's one of the three well, books you're stuck with that's forever. That's your choice. That's your choice. <laughs> yep. And then the other book uh, that I chose was 1984 by George Orwell. Ah, just that's wow. I, enjoy, I enjoy dystopian novels, yeah. and that's a good one. Quick, everybody, 1984 or Brave New World, if you can only choose one. I mean, I would go 1984. I just chose it. Yeah, I would so, go 1984 I'm, too, but I think Brad's a Brave New World guy. I think that, w- that was going to be my pick. But I haven't read the whole thing, to be fair. Oh, so, okay. well. Yep. Anyway. All right. Well, Bradford, go for it. All right. I would say Lord of the Rings and wait, the Lion. Wait, 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 wait. Uh, Mere Christianity and. Uh, okay. I thought we did make it a rule that you can't choose trilogies. And, no, and, and obviously yeah, you're yeah. faking. Yes. You punk. No, this is revealing that I don't read a lot. Okay. So my first one. This is our last episode, which I'm going to be made fun of for, is Tiger Woods: How I Play Golf. <laughs> it's a phenomenal book with a lot of pictures. Oh okay, and had a big influence on me early in my teenage years. <sighs> the second would be a book by Jack Nicholas on how he <laughs> plays golf. Oh my goodness! Eve. All right, and the third is Corey Ten Boom's. The hiding place. I feel like that would be very relevant for the situation of being on a desert island. Pastor Pig. So, is there a driving range on your desert island? Yeah, yeah he's okay. got he's I got the rest of his life clubs. to build one. Okay, yeah. yeah, that's true. I can finally break eighty. Lower that handicap mm. if I can't do anything else. Okay, let's keep this moving. Television we're, shows. We're probably taking too long. Television oh, yeah. shows. Nobody's that's listening. Okay. Yeah, Nobody they, is everyone's listening right now. done already. <laughs> Television shows. Jonathan. Okay, so uh, this is going to reveal a lot about me, that when I watch television, it is definitely to unplug, uh, because mine are all comedies. Um, I, I mean, The Office, I, I, mm. I mean, it's it's one of the great comedies of all yeah. time, you know? Yeah, it's I mean, like home cooking for me. And it's one that I know I could re-watch for the rest of forever, because I do, <laughs> and be okay. So The Office, um, I don't know, a little, little throwback here for you guys, but Frasier... 
Oh yeah. man, I love Frasier. I'm yeah. I'm a big Frasier fan, and so yeah, I, I would enjoy that one. It's a great show. And then one of my all time favorites is actually a British comedy called The IT Crowd. Oh. Yeah. Uh, it's it's about these uh, computer nerds in the basement of a corporation who run the IT for the whole thing, and I don't know why, but it just it it makes it, you laugh. It makes me laugh. <laughs> yeah, this was a tough for me. There's so many great shows, um, but I also went with The Office because it's it is just a classic. Yeah, I, mean, I think anyone it's you're, an instant classic. You're a reasonable human being. That's and, why you made that yeah. selection. Anyone who doesn't choose The Office, I yeah. mean, you should probably doubt your faith. <laughs> yeah, just kidding. Oh. Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> Brad's one-liners this yep. uh, this episode. Yeah, we'll I, take those out. I also went with a throwback uh, television sitcom, and mine is Seinfeld. Yeah, I don't. I those episodes will never get old to me. The writing is amazing. I have it's never hilarious. seen a full episode oh of Seinfeld. That's my confession. There are multiple reasons you should never be allowed to be on this podcast. I feel like Andrew That's, and I Andrew and I talk about this a lot, so we'll keep going. But yeah, has he not I, seen? Seinfeld? No, he loves it, but I feel okay. like I missed it. I think uh, I just missed it. I think it's still funny today. Okay. And then uh, a darker turn, I went with Mad Men. Ooh, oh, I, I would take wow. Mad Men to the quarantine and uh, and watch that. So, that, all right, that show does depress me. <laughs> <laughs> as much as I love, yeah. I, I do love the uh, the the advertising aspect of of things like oh, yeah. kind of the window into that world. But oh yeah, overarchingly, <laughs> okay. So for me. I went all comedies, uh, The Office, of course, and then I also chose Parks and Rec because that's up there for me. Yeah, with I, The Office. Oh yeah, yeah, dude. Yeah, I for love sure. Parks and Rec. Yeah. So The Office, Parks and Rec, Arrested Development. Oh. If I only had the first seasons, few seasons, yeah. I'd be okay with that. Yeah. And then Thirty Rock. I yeah. I Wait enjoyed Thirty Rock too because I'm on Did a desert island. Did you just say four was Parks and Rec one of your three? I I can't remember. He said oh. Office, Parks and Rec, and Thirty Rock, and Arrested Development. And Arrested oh my! Four. You did you say four. four. You did. You yeah. can't have four. Brad. Gosh, rule breaker. Yeah, you already have Am a driving I? range. You can't have four <laughs> television shows on DVD or Blu-ray. All right, moving on to albums. <laughs> All right, albums. Yeah, so your three records. Yeah. Okay, so again, I have my my younger years this is more middle school, and that is uh, Switchfoot's first album, Legend of Chin. Oh, uh, yeah. That was a very influential album in my uh, musical education formation. Yeah. Uh, high school, Jonathan, and y'all can make fun of me all you want, but I can still listen to this album and jam out anytime, and that's, uh, that's Dave Matthews' band. Uh, uh, that's not what I thought you were going to say. Listener supported. Yeah. Hey, I love DMB. Uh, I yeah. love some Dave. Uh, yeah. But the the listener supported album that just that that defined a certain certain period. And then uh, young adult Jonathan uh, is definitely going Queen. And Ooh. and y'all would not allow ah. me. Y'all would not allow yeah. me to take a greatest hits album. Yeah, because that's that's unfair. Uh, so yeah, just one album. Oh, uh, and I I have a hard time choosing between several. But I think if I was forced. I would go with Night at the Opera. Yep. Mm. That's a great record. If if I Top was Top to forced. bottom. Yeah. Jonathan, there's a band that you didn't name that I'm very surprised. Who is that? Dashboard Confessional. You know, they got the cut, huh? I'm not going to I'm they not going to lie. They didn't make it. I'm not going to lie. Dashboard 
is uh, is very near and dear to my heart, as Brad knows. I I'm, know. I force him to listen to it. I've at, been subjected to at it at some point on every road trip. That's why I need professional counseling. Um, but I think what stopped me was uh, on a desert island. I fear that dashboard would drive me to a very dark place. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably a correct assessment. Oh. All right, JM. All right, man. We're, this we're, was we can't so wait. hard. This was so hard. Um, so my first uh, desert island record would be uh, Sigoros Talk, the oh, Talk album. Yes. I believe from two thousand and five. Sigoros is an Icelandic band. For those who don't know who they are, they, Icelandic post rock. They play yeah, yeah ambient. Uh, they came to the BJCC in Birmingham. Ten they, people went and saw them. <laughs> it was it was pretty amazing. I'm still a little bitter over the fact that you didn't tell me that show was happening. Yeah, I'm sorry. That record's amazing. I've listened to it so many times. JM, true story. There. Can you sing along with any of the Icelandic lyrics? For sure, for sure, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, you've learned the language through the records. Yeah, I know it now. All right, I, go ahead. Uh, my second record would be um, a live record by Metallica, and mm. it's called S and M, which stands for Symphony and Metallica. Yeah, and man, it's the San Francisco what, Symphony, right? Yeah, it's a double disc record. Um, it's actually I actually own it on vinyl. I think it's like six vinyls, but mm. it is, uh, or actually three vinyls, one side each. Right, right, right. Um, but uh, oh my gosh, that album is so amazing, dude. Freshman. Freshman Jonathan was in love with Metallica. That's that's how much I changed in high school, boys. Freshman Jonathan was in love with Metallica, and senior Jonathan was in love with Dave Matthews Band. <laughs> yeah, and then I had to try to go old school and vintage and classic, so yeah. I went with Abbey Road by the Beatles. Oh, it's one of my nice. favorite Beatles records um, from top to bottom. It's fantastic, the songwriting, the production. Brad, do you, have a, favorite, do you have a favorite Beatles record? Uh, I'm, I'm definitely a Sergeant Pepper's kind of guy. I like Sergeant. I don't know if I do. I need to think about uh, Abbey Road. For me, it's between. It's almost a two way tie between Abbey Road and um, Magical Mystery Tour. Oh wow! Yeah, true story. Mm. I I was not a Beatles fan at all. Like growing up, never understood it. It wasn't until a few years ago, I got on this kick of watching Beatles documentaries. Oh, yeah. And it was through watching kind of their story and their place in music history that I began to really listen to the music and was like, oh, I get it. Right. So that that was just for free. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Jane, was that all of them? Or do you that was three. That was three. Okay, on to me. Uh, these are ones that just came to the top of my head. The first was uh, Radiohead and Rainbows. Oh, man. So good. Yeah. I love that album. And then a live album. Did we, we said we could do live albums, yep. right? Mm -hmm. Live album by Led Zeppelin. Yep. How the West Was Won. Yep. Nice. That one's so good. At nice. Madison Square Garden. Yeah. Recorded in the 70s. Yeah. I think we need to There's create. a documentary. It's great. I want to create a shared playlist of just these albums that we've named. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Yeah. And then the last one, I hate to pick it because... I hate myself for picking it. <laughs> I feel like I know what's coming. But I have to be honest and vulnerable on this podcast, and that would be John Mayer's Live in L.A. album. Oh, that's not what I thought was coming. Well, what do you think was coming? I don't know. I, I thought it was going to be like a little more uh, teen angsty. 
boy. Oh, I thought you were going to think boy band. I, I was thinking like My Chemical Romance kind of thing going on oh, or something. Oh, man. I, w- I would take a My Chemical Romance <laughs> album. Okay. Anyway. No Angels and yeah, Airways. Yeah, John, John Mayer live in L.A. You've got acoustic singer-songwriter. Then you've got blues. And then mm. there's also kind of a pop element. And what a kill. And, and the band. The oh, band man. is just killer. Them. Yeah. Phenomenal. Goodness. So, all right. One right. category left. Final All category. Right. For, uh, for the, the two people out there that are listening. Yeah, if you're still around. Uh, <laughs> if you haven't changed churches yet. <laughs> movies. Movies. Oh, y'all are going to make fun of... Uh, no, not every pick, but... The oh, wonderful world of cinema. There's one of these that... Okay. <laughs> so my childhood pick is The Sandlot. Like, just... Yeah, sorry. <laughs> just uh, just as a kid, and still, like that movie holds up, man. I've showed it to my kids, and it's it's just as great now. Yeah, just as great now. Uh, high school Jonathan, and y'all can make fun of me all you want to, but high school Jonathan's taking the Matrix. Oh Boom. man, Keanu fir- is so good. It's just what <laughs> yeah. it's what's happening. Okay, <laughs> it's what's. I'm happening. not gonna make fun of that. The first one, right? It, yeah, see, the, the this, first this, one. this is where the I first get one, right? this is where I get really controversial. Yes, I will take the first one, but boys, I enjoy all three. Mm, yeah, and that's where I get controversial because yeah. most people that's hate okay. the others, and I, I'm not going to hate I, you for I, that. I love the whole thing. I'm um, going to dislike you, but I'm not going to hate <laughs> you. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, and then young adult Jonathan is taking the Godfather. Yes, mm. you know I love the and and that's the hardest thing for me right there yeah. is Godfather One or Godfather Two. Yeah, and and oh. here here's the thing though I actually think the Godfather is the better movie. Uh huh. But De Niro's performance in Godfather Two. Yeah. As as a a, a young uh, Godfather, I I think that's the best performance in the whole thing. Yeah. I I just think it's phenomenal. But yeah, I think I'm taking Godfather. Uh, this is an impossible category for me. I'm never going to be happy with my selection, so I just for those chose that don't three. know, uh, I don't. I don't think I know anyone on the planet that enjoys movies more or yeah. has seen more movies yeah, yeah, yeah. than John Mark. When we take hey. when we take road trips to a conference or whatever, I'll always be like, "Hey, one night, let's go to the movies." Yeah, yeah. And John Mark will be like, "Cool. What do you want to go see?" And the next five minutes is just me naming films and John Mark going, seen it, yep, seen it, seen it. Yeah. Well, so we end up seeing some obscure film, or at least in, yeah, in yeah, my yeah. realm of movie watching, it's obscure. I will be shocked if I've heard of any of these movies. It's probably no, going to be some, Euro- these Euro- are all, some these European are, film, they're all black and white. They're subtitled. These are mainstream. Of a tire swing for four hours. They're these silent. are mainstream picks. <laughs> these are mainstream picks. Okay. okay. Okay, go ahead. I, I'm not picking any French New Wave. I'm I'm leaving that for another. You day. could though. Okay. I could, but you know. I love the fact that this conversation has caused this episode to double in length. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and th- this could change any day. So and uh, yeah. So uh, the first one would be The Dark Knight. Okay, Christopher Nolan. That is surprisingly <laughs> mainstream. Wow, uh, Christopher Nolan. Christian Bale, Heath Ledger, yeah, yeah, yeah. Morgan mm. Freeman, yeah, yep. I mean, it's just it's unbelievable. It, so mm. that movie, that's the best of the the Batman Nolan trilogy. I mean, I'm by not, far. I'm not going to argue with you. So yeah. I would take that because I could rewatch that over and over again. Ironically, um, John Mark has never seen a Marvel film. 
Uh, I mean, I've oh, seen yeah. some. I've seen some. I just I was exaggerating. Not, yeah, that's the one area that I lack for sure. In yeah. My, okay. Cinema. Uh, and I can't recommend this this next movie. So, uh, but <laughs> viewer discretion. I'm sure. Some, I'm sure a lot of people have seen it. But Anchorman, The Legend of Ron Burgundy. <laughs> Will Ferrell. I wanted to go with a comedy. I wanted to go, you know, there were a lot of 90s comedies that I looked at, and I was like, oh, I could take some of those. But uh, Will Ferrell at his best, Anchorman, uh, Legend of Ron Burgundy. And a a younger Steve Carell, too, before The Office. I mean, uh, who uh, Paul Rudd's in it. I mean, it's a fantastic cast. Okay, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the most recent Quentin Tarantino film. That would be the the film that I would bring. Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio for two hours and 48 minutes. I mean, it's just... Yeah. I mean, it's a wild ride. All right, I guess I'm up. You got to bring us home, Bradford. I got to bring this home. So, the... When it came to movies, I was so overwhelmed... it was just the movies that were the first to pop into my head. Because I felt like that said something about who I am as a human being. <laughs> so, Did the it first. Say something good? <laughs> the first is Rush Hour. Dude, <laughs> I love Rush Hour. The first. And I think it's because when I was in high school, I don't know when did, when did those movies come out? Rush Hour was like 98. Like 98. Or something so like I that. Been, yeah. yeah. I was going to say you had to be younger because yeah, I younger, feel like I was high school. Well, my something. dad will probably be embarrassed about this, but we would watch Rush Hour together and my dad would laugh so hard at these movies. And so I don't know. There's just something there uh, for me with Rush They're Hour. Hilarious. Yeah. So Rush Hour, I, I think comedy your, action. I think your father should find that endearing. And I don't think there's any chance that any of our family has listened this deep <laughs> into this episode anyway. Oh, no, for sure. And then two, a recent movie that I've seen that was phenomenal that I would encourage everyone to see, A Hidden Life by Terrence yeah. Malick. Mm. I still haven't gotten to see I that wanted one. to choose that one, but yeah, that's a good one. So it's, I mean, it is, it's a Russian novel. It is, it is a slow burn there's very little dialogue. There's no reason you should like the movie. <laughs> the cinematography is but beautiful. So basically, it's beautiful. so basically, it's the exact same as your first pick. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's like a buddy yes. cop action. Buddy cop kind comedy. of action. Yes, beautiful. I was in tears throughout the whole movie. And then my third pick, I want you to read it so that we know I'm not making it up. Oh, Dark Knight. Oh, Dark Knight. Man. Yeah. You see yeah. You see what I mean? Yeah. You have to. It's a good one, boys. You have to. Yep. It's so a good one. the by far the best Joker performance. Man. By far. <gasps> yeah, I, was about, I was about to say, I think everybody would just I think everybody would agree with you. Well but that term by far by far that's hurting Jack Nicholas Nicholson's feeling that Nicholas. I'm thinking of golfers because of you. <laughs> Yeah, well, and Joaquin. Joaquin. Well, Joaquin Nicholas was what Nicholson. I was thinking about. I mean, What's his name? Jared Leto. <laughs> Leto was a joke. <laughs> I haven't seen the Joaquin one yet. I haven't seen any of the films that y'all have mentioned that have come out in theaters this year. What is this place you call the theater? <laughs> I don't. Well, I don't Johnson, get to in go case, there. In case you find yourself in a quarantine, you'll have time to watch some <laughs> of those movies. Yep. Just in case. All well, right. That was fun. That was fun. If you stayed around, hey, congratulations. Let us know your desert island picks. Yeah. 
Send Let us, us know. Send us an email. <laughs> send us an email. <laughs> if you're bored. If you're bored. We should create an email. Time. We should create an email for, for the podcast. Shades midweek at shadesvalley.org. I love it. We'll do that. Is that what we're gonna do? Or are we gonna do midweek at shadesvalley.org? What do you want to do? Let's we're making it up Let's right do now. Midweek. All right. So if you want to email us about either something you'd like for us to talk about on the podcast or email us your desert island slash quarantine picks, you can email us at midweek at shadesvalley.org. That email will be active by the time this episode airs. <laughs> no, Feline. Thank you all for listening. This has been a very long episode of Shades Midweek. Bye-bye.